It's time for you and those you love to step off the addiction roller coaster for good and learn a solution that works. It's called Move Past Addiction Masterclass, and it's a free one-hour live online class where you'll hear new and empowering information about how to solve addiction for good without steps, meetings, rehabs, or being labeled for life. If you're struggling or you love someone who is, then this masterclass is for you. To enroll in this free one-hour class, click the link provided or go to thefreedommodel.org and choose the date and time that works for you. See you at the masterclass. It's time for you to step off the addiction roller coaster for good and learn a solution that works. It's called Families Moving Past Addiction Masterclass It's a live, free online event where you'll hear new and empowering information about addiction, and that's great news. If you love someone who is struggling with an addiction, then this masterclass is for you. To enroll in this free one-hour class, click the link provided or go to thefreedommodel.org. There are various dates and times for the class, so choose the one that works best for you. See you at the masterclass. Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Addiction Solution. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. And we along with our colleague, Stephen Slate, wrote The Freedom Model for Addictions, this book right here, and I don't want to knock out my coffee, and The Freedom Model for the Family. You can get digital copies of each of these books for free for your uh, mobile device if you go to thefreedommodel.org and you go to our books tab and then uh, enter Freedom 100 at checkout in the, the coupon code place there. And you can get the Freedom, both books, full digital copies on your mobile device for free. I freaking love coffee. I do too, gosh. <laughs> I, I just was like, God, man, this God, is so, so delicious. So let me just hang on a second. All right. All there right. you go. So if you're not watching, he was sipping his coffee. <laughs> you're just I'm listening. just being ridiculous. Um, so well, we've got kind of a fun, it's a serious topic, but kind of a fun topic today. Yeah. We're, we're talking about deprogramming from recovery, from, from addiction, disease, rhetoric, mythology, dogma, whether it's 12, which mostly emanated out of the 12 step program. Um, but it is morphed now to mean a lot more, even people that don't do 12 step consider themselves to be in recovery. If they've stopped a heavy substance use, um, even if they're not abstinent, they still consider themselves to be in recovery. And, uh, there's, there's a lot to unpack with this one. Yeah. And, and we obviously have to go over, uh, MAT, Matt, mm-hmm. right. Medically assisted therapies and yep. which are, uh, sort of, that's, 
sort of a funny idea, but anyway, um, the, uh, so recovery, I, first I want to tackle recovery because people will say, I know it's a choice. I know I don't have a disease. And then they'll say, but what do I need to do for recovery? Right. So, so that's a, I, I want you to think about what I just said. So if somebody came into a hospital and for a cancer screening, they thought they had cancer. Maybe they got a diagnosis and uh, a wrong diagnosis um, by some other doctor. And then they found out they, they don't have the cancer. That's awesome. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be like them saying, having the doctor come in and say, you don't have cancer. Guess what? It was, it was benign. We thought which it was I've malignant. had happen twice, Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> which that's, is awesome. Yeah. Um, not awesome at first. <laughs> no, but, not at first. <laughs> um, but okay. So the doctor walks in and says it's benign, uh, inoperable. We don't have to do a damn thing. You're good to go. That would be like you saying, yeah, but what do I have to do for my recovery? Right. Right. So, I didn't actually have cancer. That's right. So here's what happens with people. They say, I know it's not a disease. I know it's a choice, but they don't really believe it. Okay. They don't really believe it because if you believe you have to do something radical, like go to meetings, go to therapies, take Suboxone, take methadone, if you believe you have to do these things, that there's some protocol for recovery, that automatically means you implicitly believe that you were sick, that something is wrong with you, that you are a subset of the average dude, that you're broken in some way, shape or form. Right. So I want you to think about that. I want you to think right now, do you when it comes to substance use, the topic of substance use, do you frame not taking it or moderating as a recovery lifestyle? Do you believe you are a person, quote unquote, a person in recovery, that you are somebody that's recovering? Um, even the word recovered is problematic, you know, because that sometimes people say, well, no, I believe I'm recovered. Well, you're not recovered. There's nothing to recover from. You can't recover from your Our behavior, your choices. Yeah. You're, you're talking about recovering from a chosen voluntary behavior. And, and let's look at, for example, smoking, because I don't care who you are. There are people that'll say I'm an ex smoker. Almost nobody refers to themselves as being in recovery from smoking. Right. I mean, I, they just don't. Um, and I've known I, I'm a, I'm an ex smoker. I, like I know I know a ton of people my age and older that are ex smokers, and they don't view it that way. Yeah, and you can you're going to start seeing that people will start to identify with That's smoking true. this way because now you have the pharmaceutical companies coming in with the patches, the gum, the all the medications, and they they say it's an addiction. It's yes. an addiction. Yes. You know, and this didn't exist 20 years ago. There wasn't ads by the state government and the federal government saying it's an addiction. You know, they make it difficult. They create the battle. Then they create the medications and the pharmaceutical government complex continues. That's yep. just the way that works. Um, and it's sad because most people get past smoking. I mean, that's uh, just, nearly everyone. Right. So, um, I, I think it's really important to realize that there, so let's get deep into this. What is an addiction? We yes, have to define that's that what I was just thinking is 
we were just talking about this, depending on how you define addiction, if you think it's a thing that you have to battle, well, then it becomes a battle. That's right. So if you believe it's outside of you, so that's, that's what it comes down to people. See, people don't parse these things out. They don't sit around like we do <laughs> and, and endlessly look at words and endlessly look at why we say the things we say and, and realize, wait a minute, if addiction is a thing then and if we talk about it as if it has some sort of motive to hurt me, if I believe it's cunning, baffling, and powerful, that's, that's sort of a strange idea because where? Where is it like that? Is it, is it a living entity? Is it, is it, does it have motive to hurt you? Does it know when you're stressed? And then sometimes it's going to relieve your stress and be your friend. And other times it's going to destroy your life and addict you. Um, and so we have all these really strange ideas about it and the way we talk about it in Western culture. And then we have to recover from it, from it, as if it, it is a thing external to you. It's not. It's not any of that. It's not external to you. It's decision-making. It's a preference that you build for heavy intoxication. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, I was just, as he's talking, I was, you know, the person that requested, this is a request from a listener, this topic. We've gotten a few requests now that are kind of, which is great. Um, and, and the other side of this. Okay. So, so if you come to the conclusion, all right, it's not a disease. I'm not broken per se or powerless, but, but there's another part of this that you learn in treatment and you learn in 12 step programs. And that is that you're morally depraved, that you're, you know, you're evil self-centered, that you're self-centered, that it's your character defects of their problem, that it's your ego that's the problem. And, and even after you solve a substance use problem, like for me, I did a video uh, yesterday, well, I recorded it the other day, but I put it up yesterday um, that talked about undoing those beliefs, internal beliefs about myself was part of that process of deprogramming because I had to understand not only is addiction, not a disease. Okay. But this whole recovery idea that, that I was somehow a bad person or an immoral person or a self-absorbed person, um, was entirely problematic too for my happiness in my life and, and improving my self image. None of those things are true. It just be, uh, please understand an addiction to a substance is simply a preference for intoxication, period. You have a strong preference for intoxication. It could be, you could be the happiest person in the world and still love it That's on right. some level. Yeah. So let's say that you are somebody um, that is difficult. Yeah. Right? I could be a difficult person. Let's say time. that you are a person that is mean. Let's, let's, let's go to the far extreme. Uh, there are people that are bad people that are mean, that are nasty, mm. that are nasty people. There are also people that are amazing, wonderful, kind, 
uh, empathic people, right? Uh, and there's every shade in between. I'm somewhere in the middle of that. Yep, I, me I, too. I am a true Gemini in the fact that I can be mean as hell and I can also be uh, really loving. So um, I'm not proud of the fact that I can be mean as hell, but but it's it's the reality of how I grew up and and I've worked on that. Now, none of that has to do with my drinking and drugging unless I make it so. Exactly. Now, treatment loves treatment loves to to marry these things. You know, you're drinking and drugging to all these causes and they complicate the shit out of it. And then you will start to believe you will start to believe that it is driven by your character defects, by the mean side of you, the, the guilt ridden side, the self-centered side, the guilty side, whatever it is. And as human beings, I've never met a person who's perfect. No. And I've never met a person that doesn't have some sort of personality flaws that are antisocial at some point. Um, and in some way that I've never met the person in 53 years, that's perfect. And right? we've worked with a lot of people. Keep in mind. Yeah. And, and I, and I'm friends with a lot of people and I'm in social circles and I think we're all trying to be decent human beings. And there are a few that aren't, that are just really bad people, not nice. Um, and they don't give a shit really. They're in the minority though, uh, but they're a tiny minority. But the point is, is none of that has to do with substance use. Unless you make it so. Yep. You know, and our culture does that. It ties these things together like a rope, like it's all intertwined. You know, Michelle uses the analogy of the rubber band ball. You know, it's all wrapped together. And that really makes things complicated. Oh boy, does it make it overcomplicated. Yeah. And so then you spend your time, and this is what a lot of people, even in our group, do. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. spend your time looking for all of these causes, all of these underlying causes for why I keep getting drunk and high when I clearly don't want to anymore. Right. And so it's got to be something else. Instead of spending the time, the only way to solve the problem is to figure out if I still like it and if I'm getting the benefits that I am hoping to get from it. Is it really that good anymore? That's how people solve an addiction, not from solving their emotional problems and not from, I mean, we see in the data that people get over a heavy substance use problem at much higher rates than they get over emotional problems. Right. Because emotional problems are inherently human. <laughs> you are. know, it's like the universal experience. So what we're are all we a little bit fucked up. Yeah. I mean, so what are, can we I say? <laughs> are we supposed to become higher spiritual beings, all of us, so that we don't drink and drug? I mean, holy shit, that was Bill Wilson's cult. Oh my that, God. And I've, I've met some of the most fucked up people that are totally stone cold sober. <laughs> yeah. And, and you'll meet a lot of people in AA and, and the treatment community who tout this spiritual living while they're totally fleecing people and yeah. destroying lives left yeah. and right. So, but, but here's the issue. So even though we say we're sitting here saying that drinking and drugging doesn't have anything to do with traumas, stress, anxieties, depression, things, depression, all that stuff. right? What happens is in our culture, we tie it to that. That's it. And, and that, that is super dangerous. It's, um, it's incredibly unfortunate that we do that to ourselves. Then we does, then we have designed over 80 years treatments for this, this manner in which we tie our emotional lives to the physical buzz. And it becomes a very complex problem.
So that's why this book is 470 pages, folks. Yeah. That's exactly why to undo that entangled bullshit that you're learning every single day of your life being bombarded with it. Uh, it, it takes a little unraveling. And, and so I, I'm telling you, um, one of the things that we're doing in our um, masterclass and in the, um, uh, the complete addiction solution that we have now, the program that we're running for people, uh, we go through this and we, we detach, we untangle that, that marriage that you've made between your emotional life and substance use. Yes. And we call it, you know, we deconstruct your binge construct. Your construct is where it's married. And that is where you're lost. You've tied drinking and drugging to all both, kinds of things, both the bad sides of your life and the good sides of your life and everything in between. And it's all wrapped up in one neat, nasty little package. And you're totally screwed because of it. And you're wondering why you can't seem to get out from under. Well, that's what we work on in the, in the complete addiction solution. Um, in that program, we spend an entire day unraveling that. Then we do coaching afterwards and a year long process if you need that. Um, so anyway, well, look at, if you, I think probably for many people, the hardest part, the, the hardest thing about really deprogramming is that you're bombarded with the wrong information pretty much continuously in our culture from, you know, social media and television and radio and internet and your family and your friends and whoever you talk to on a daily, your people at work, everybody is misinformed. Like it seems like everybody is misinformed and it's not really everybody. It is but there are a whole lot of people in the world that don't give a shit about any of it and don't talk about it. But if you impromptu to ask them, what should I do if I feel like I have an addiction? They'll tell you to go to AA, not with any real conviction, but just because they don't know any different, right? So, so you feel like when you're trying to deprogram a, a lone port in a storm. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and so that's why these podcasts are so important. And it's also important to read as much as you can like look through our book and look at the bibliography, bi bi bibliography, all of the things that we've read. And once you start looking for uh, huh. people that believe differently, all of a sudden they show up, right? All of this new information shows up that, that, oh, people are incredibly actually really resilient. And there is, you know, that you can choose your even your emotions, you can choose your thoughts. I mean, thoughts may come into your mind, but you can choose whether or not you invest in them. You can choose to consciously change them. I mean, start looking for books on mindfulness training and things like that. And you will see that there's this whole world out there that is all about improving your life in ways that are now some of the people go into that rabbit hole, don't they? Oh, they do. So, <laughs> so here, here's something that I'm doing with my son. And what Michelle's talking about, my youngest son, Joe, just he's in the process of reading the Freedom Model for the first time, and he's really enjoying it. And he's reading other stuff and he's his life is just taking off. He's, uh, he's amazing. Yeah, he's 20 <laughs> years old and he's just a really, really cool, cool cat. So he said to me, he goes, how do you differentiate between a true? Well, he didn't know what a truism was, but he said, there's there's things I say that I realize end up being really 
accurate. And I never thought about them. I said, what do you, what do you mean? He goes, well, I'm going to change my mind. He goes, I say that all the time. And then I really thought about it. And I said, mm -hmm. oh my God, I am literally changing the entire perception of that topic, whatever it is, when I change my mind. True. I changed the course of my life. I might change my mind about what car I'm going to get. And this was all in the, in the process of him buying a truck and reading the freedom model and reading some other things on the Stoics. And he's just in this, in this self-improvement age of his life. And I said, well, here's the, here's what's important. There are truisms right? Truisms are the things that have been born through time that bear out truth. Like I'm going to change my mind. We actually do that. We change our mind and we change the trajectory of our experience and our interpretation of a situation. And it's going to have good or bad results, right? So we can change our mind. That's a truism. It's a little statement. That's true. And I said, the key to life, Joey, is to, to be able to know what is true and what isn't. Right. You may think something's a truism and base your entire existence on it. Like I am a person in recovery when no such thing even fucking exists. Right. You can't because be, somebody told you it at some point. That's right. But you think it's a truism. You think you're living your life by this great wisdom when in actuality it's made up. It right. doesn't even exist. You can't recover. There's no what are you going to recover from your mind? Are you going to, what are you recovering from choice making? You're going to, yeah. you're going to recover from free will. You're going to recover from your drive to be a happy person. You're going to recover from your autonomy. You can't, those, those are immutable inherent qualities of your psyche that you were born with and you can't get rid of them. It's what makes you, you. So are you going to recover from yourself? You know, now people say, no, I'm recovering from alcoholism. Alcoholism doesn't exist because it's not what, real, right? What, it, what alcoholism or drug addiction is, is a preference that you've built inside your own mind, right? That's you created it. it. That's right. You created it. You stop it. So, you know, when I look at things I, now, I'm 55. So I've been through all these different stages in life already. And, and you know, there are people, I, I'm one of those people where I, I'd read a book and I'd be like, oh, now I got it. Right. <laughs> yeah, me too, like, me too, yeah. oh, now. I, but what it really is, is accumulating knowledge and, and then trying to figure out through experimentation what is true and what is not. Yeah. Right. And, and becoming really aware and mindful of my choices and how they affect affect the people around me and how they affect me becoming. And, and so it's okay. It's okay to decide at some point, I used to think that, but that isn't right anymore. And now I think this way. And then as you go through life, if you're open to it, that happens over and over and over again, but I'm not recovering from what I used to believe. Right. You're not, you can't recover because rec the word recover implies that there's something wrong. Right. You know? And, and, and that there's an entity from which you are recovering from. Yes. A, you know, or, or a state of being that you're recovering. The state of being is choice-making. Yes. Now, if you are a determinist and you say, I have no stake in my decisions and I am an automaton of situations. Okay. You can believe that if you want. I, you want you want to believe that, then recovery becomes something that is real. Uh, then you can believe that 
alcoholism out, is out there to get you and that your genes are conspiring against you and that drugs addict you and they have motives. Your brain is broken. Yeah, I mean, that you, you can believe in all of that stuff, but know that you're being a determinist. Know that you're, you're literally taking your ability to think. The fact that you can think this stuff shows that what you're thinking with determinism is bullshit. Right. <laughs> the fact that you can create new thoughts in your mind, like to me, it's self-evident that so freaking <laughs> obvious that so look at, we're not trying to offend anyone. Um, be, but I wouldn't think you'd be listening to this podcast if you genuinely believed in determinism and addiction being a disease and the, the fact that you're broken in some way. So and these things you have to understand are kind of all or nothing. It's, I always use the example, you can't be a little pregnant. Um, you either have control or you don't. And so there's not varying levels of that, of controlling our behavior. That's right. And so that's, I, so for me, it is self-evident that there is, I don't know, that you're just, that you're not recovering from something. And so to get back to deprogramming, it takes a little time because the level of beliefs that you have can be incredibly insidious because you don't have anything to compare it to. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. In the absence of a contrasting view, you're screwed. I mean, you're going to believe it's just the example we give in the book of the Hopi Indians and the rain dance. Yeah. You know, they're in the desert in Southwestern United States. And when, when the military went out in the frontier and the frontiersmen met these people, they saw that they had this week long dance that they would do every spring and that they believed that if they didn't do the dance, the rain wouldn't come. Right. So they did the dance religiously every spring and then the rains came. <laughs> and so they connected these two completely unrelated things together, but they believed that was their construct. Yes. The water dance was their construct. And they believed that they didn't make that dance. They were going to have a drought and die because the water wouldn't come. That just reminded me of a post that I saw in, in another uh, leaving AA group that I'm in, you know, a woman was talking about, uh, going out on a bender. And in her mind, she's like, it's because I left AA. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I left AA. Well, that, I, that, 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 that's the Hopi Indians all over again. It it's is. like, it just, you know, I, I left AA and they, everything they said was going to happen, happened. Oh to yeah. Me. It all came true. It I, all came oh, true. Yeah. And now I have to go back and I don't know how I'm going to go back. And thankfully there were people that wrote, you know, no, that is, <laughs> you believed it was going to happen. It's called the self-fulfilling prophecy. You create, I mean, it, they told you what was going to happen. You believed, you internalized your fears manifest manifested in making that happen. There's, can I jump in? Yeah. There's, you're, Jerry taught me this very early on. He said, you always move in the direction of your current most dominant thought. So if you're constantly believing this stuff, then you manifest it. If you believe that addiction is a thing and that, and that it is in the parking lot doing pushups and they all giggle, ha, 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 you know, but the implication is there that there's a force sure dude and, and you can't stop it. And you better shut up, start listening, take the cotton out of your ears, put it in your mouth and just toe the line. 
And in your fear, you'll do that. Just like the Hopi Indians got dancing, man, because the water was drying up. Yeah. You know? And, and so, so we have this weird fertile ground for cult talk within AA because of the fear-based nonsense and because you're so fucking vulnerable. Yeah. You know, yeah, your life, you, you, you don't end up there because your life is good, right? Because you're happy with the way things are going. You end up there like we did because the shit's kind of hit the fan and somebody said to you, you need to go there. Yeah. You know, and it's, so it's all, you know, or maybe it isn't, maybe you, maybe you've dabbled back and forth and you've tried the, all these different things. Okay. Whether you've gone to AA, you went to smart or you tried naltrexone or you did suboxone or whatever it is, you are missing out on how to actually solve the problem. Because the only answer is your mind. Yeah. Is you making decisions. Now, uh, this is a great end piece here. So if you want to deprogram, the question is first, you have to know that there's nothing to recover from. That's a huge concept that if you don't get that, that's going to be, it's, everything's going to be tough. Yeah. You got to debunk that, that there's, you're broken, right? That so, there's something wrong with you that makes you different than other people. So don't go to AA. If, if they're, if, if you're in AA and they keep reinforcing that idea and you're struggling because of it, don't go. Yeah. Don't, just stop going first. Just take some moves and stop going, stop going to rehab, stop going to clinics that are telling you you're sick for God's sake, stop. Then read this book. Then you have to decide next, okay, what do I, I really do feel hopeless. I still feel hopeless. And then what you have to do is say, okay, why? Why do I feel hopeless? What do I believe about this drug? How have I created a fantasy of marrying emotional issues to my alcohol or drug use? There's a whole bunch of information that we have to unglue. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a systematic thing. That's the freedom model, but it's knowledge that will unglue it. Yeah. Now it may take you, if you're deep, like Michelle and I were it may take you years to do that. It might take you weeks. It may take you a day. If you get that one piece. Yeah. Because wonderful thing about the truth is we're so enormously gifted at problem solving. Humans are that when we see the truth and it matches some piece of experience and it puts a smile on our face and it, it changes us. Yeah. And you can't unring that bell. I mean, it's, it's, it's marvelous what the truth does, but you have to do the work of understanding the information so that you can gauge. Why do I like it so much? Yeah. Why do I like it so much? What the hell is behind my preference? Right. But if you're sitting there saying, I got to go do recovery the whole time, well, then you're so distracted by this diversion that you're not even looking where the answer is, which is right in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And throw out the idea that somehow, some way you're bad, immoral. When you, when you focus on this idea that you are this terrible person, um, even after I quit drinking and drugging, right. I still held on to this idea that somehow, some way I was a really shitty person and that I had, that I should be like, 
I don't know, this superhuman, super selfless that I needed to be that all the time. And I pushed a higher spiritual being. Yeah. I pushed myself and I became, I don't know. I be, I just became this doormat, this, it was just not good. It was not good. It was my mental health suffered. So the part of deprogramming is learning that, that you're not different. You're not different than you're a normal human being with normal likes and dislikes. There is nothing wrong with you. Yeah. That's, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. Now let's say that to get the information you struggle, let's say that you're not very disciplined. Maybe you need some accountability. That's why we have coaching. Yeah. That's why we have the complete addiction solution where you come in, you spend a day with Michelle and I, and we go through this whole thing and we rip apart your fantasies. Yeah. We tear those apart and we show you and we expose where you're way off. And, and we do that together with you. Yeah. You know, uh, we can do that one-on-one. We can do special things for you, you know, where we, we cater it to just you. Um, We'll do whatever it takes to help you deprogram the fastest way possible so you can get on with your life and 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 just move on. And you know, I can't even you'll know when when it's done. Yeah, you okay. Will. Yeah. Because you'll become totally immune to the bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And you'll see it everywhere. Everywhere. You'll the be matrix like, oh my is, God. Yeah. The matrix. You'll look at it and you'll be like, wow, I can't believe I, I can't believe, believe that. I believe that shit. Yeah. <laughs> but but to get there. It, it does take some work in some cases. In other cases, look, some people aren't that deeply in in mesh. No, that's true. We've seen people get it, and just by reading the book, there's there's hundreds of reviews on Amazon by people that read the book. They're like, "Oh my god, thank yes, god, my life has changed. <laughs> my life has changed. I ch- I changed my life, right? So, um, don't hesitate to call us. There's no reason ever for you to suffer. No, the, you know, once- and, or feel alone in doing this. Yeah. Yeah, we, we are here for you. You know, Daniel Pelorge, incredibly gifted coach. Yes, you know? and he was in deep as well, worked in the industry. Yeah, he gets it. <laughs> he gets it. He's, he's more re- well-read than I am. So, um, yeah, I th- all the tools are here for you. It's all here for you. You don't, have to, you don't have to wander the earth anymore being fearful and wondering if you're an addict. You're not an addict. You're not an alcoholic. Get rid of the labels. Change your self-image. You're not broken. That's right. You're You're not not a bad person. That's right. What you are is a person who had a preference and may still have a preference for heavy intoxication and you're not sure why. And And you can change it. Yeah. You can. So look at, um, if you want to talk to us, you can always call us at 888-424-2626. If you're watching, it's right in the top of your screen. And, um, and Mark and I answer that phone. Yeah. So if you don't, if we don't answer, it's because we're either recording one of these or we're talking to somebody else or, or we're doing one of our free master classes, which we have every single week. And look at, if you want to do the master class, but you're working during the day, enroll in it and in whatever date you want. And then it, it'll be the recording will be put up before the end of the day. You'll be able to watch it when you get home that evening. Yeah. Or anytime thereafter. Yeah. Um, and that's great because it's free. It introduces you to the ideas we're talking about. Yes. More Go a little bit more in depth. It's an hour long and we're, it's live. So you can actually ask us questions after it live. It, it'll also at the end lay out what all the different methods are that the freedom model uses 
to help people. Yes, absolutely. So thanks everyone. And remember, if you want one of these paperbacks, you can also get that for for free, just for the cost of shipping um, at freebook.freedomodel.org. All right, everybody. Take care. Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem, but you don't want to go to rehab or group meetings? That's why we created the non-12-step Freedom Model Coaching Program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified Freedom Model Coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. With the Freedom Model, you'll never be labeled an addict or an alcoholic, and we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery rituals. Instead, you can learn exactly why addiction isn't a disease and how you can solve the problem for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Then call us at 888-424-2626 to talk with a Freedom Model coach today and experience the Freedom Model difference.